This is the Reapcast, and I'm Clay, your local renegade. And today we're talking about toxic masculinity and where to hide it. So I got the opportunity to sit down with two great gentlemen and really discuss what it means to be a man, what it means to be toxic, um, and, and really what those things are. Um, so sit back and enjoy. Everything's alright when these thoughts are running round. All right, I'm here with Jonathan Guyman. Am I pronouncing your last name right, bud? You are Okay, right. cool. And Seth Showalter. Um, Hello. And why don't you go ahead and introduce your, your things y'all do. I know y'all both are on podcasts. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourselves. All right. Uh, my name is Seth Showalter. I live in St. Louis, Missouri. I am a licensed clinical social worker and work... Um, for an insurance company doing EAP, which stands for Employee Assistance Program work. And I also help co-host the Fade to Gray podcast, uh, which is a fun story in and of itself. Um, but we're all about having nuanced conversations and being able to look between the black and the white, finding the middle ground. Um, in this society and in this day and age, uh, we live in a society where uh, it's hard to say anything without upsetting or offending someone. So we want to be able to have hard conversations, hear people's stories, and being able to look at things um, in a way in which we can ag- we can agree to disagree on some things. What about you, Jonathan? Uh, very cool. Uh, I also co-host a podcast called Riffin. Uh, you can find that on all the major podcast platforms. And we do a similar thing. Is we, we go to those conversations um, that people should be having, but they're not. And it's just me and a buddy of mine, Tim. And we just, we're both musicians, so we decided to call it Riffin. And we kind of let the conversation go wherever it's going to go. We'll talk about hot topic issues of the day, um, various uh, things like we're going to talk about today. And uh, I also host another podcast called The Joe Health Show. Um, which is also found on all major podcast platforms that uh, basically goes into the health and uh, health and wellness nutrition side of things that a lot of people like talking about. So I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for being here. I'm really appreciative of that. Um, but uh, yeah, today's so today's topic is toxic masculinity. Um, it's been such a hot button issue in our society these days, especially coming out of the Me Too movement and the, what I like to call the, the neo-feminist movement, um, you know, where women are really getting tired of some of the crap they've been seeing for a long time, um, and, and doing it in a healthier way. Um, so we're, uh, 
we're just going to jump right in. Um, and what what is toxic masculinity, Jonathan? If you want to start, sure. Uh, this is this is something I've been thinking about a lot lately. Um, me personally, well, first off, I've married. I have a wife of twelve years and two kids. They're five and seven. Uh, little girl, she just turned five. Uh, so this is something that I want to make sure I get right. But I don't know what right is when it comes to toxic masculinity. And so I'm one of the reasons I'm really happy to be in this conversation is to talk about what I know about it and to hear from you two guys, too. Uh, but in my opinion, like, what is toxic masculinity? I'll be very honest with you. I'm probably like most guys. I don't know. I think... It's just being mean, being mean spirited. Um, when when my little girl's crying or my little boy's crying, that whole hey, suck it up, maybe you know that not paying attention to their feelings, things like that, just being being rude to women, catcalling, stuff like that. Um, but I think that there's a a definition that it's important that we do discuss it. And as men, we can talk to other men like this is what toxic masculinity is. So I'm looking forward to, to diving into that a little bit. Awesome. awesome. What about you, Seth? It's a tough topic for me personally. Um, I am a man who try, like I view toxic masculinity as the thing that I wish that I was in some ways. And this is going to sound really weird. Uh, but I grew up in the church, uh, conservative Southern Baptist, and my whole <laughs> my whole mission growing up was I wish I was straight. So I always looked to these images um, as being the guide, the thing that I wish that I was. And it's interesting because now I look at that and I'm like, oh yeah, that's toxic masculinity. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> it's being like that macho guy uh, doesn't show any emotion. Um, is aggressive, confident, uh, the guy you want to look to as being your role model, uh, the person you want to run your home. I know this is weird because it's toxic masculinity and it has such horrible effects, but that's how I view it because it's what I wanted. I wanted to be straight and a, a Christ follower and uh, men were portrayed in such a way that it it's toxic in our day and age. Right, right. Um and I, uh, I kind of grew up in the church. Um, I spent a lot of time in, in Wiccan growing up for me, um, which was heavily female ran. Um, and I, I, I grew up basically seeing the um, toxic femininity side of life. Um, and so that was unfortunate because it always pushed me to that toxic masculinity way because I, I wanted to revert from that so drastically. Um and me and my wife in our earlier fought so bad over so st just small, stupid issues of, of me being insecure um, in everything. Um, but also with that, how I view toxic masculinity and what it really is, is uh, fear. Um, fear of emotion, fear of commitment, fear of being yourself. Um, because to fear something is to put it away and you know overcome it um you know i was told growing up pull yourself up by your bootstraps and that affected me greatly that that's a great term of endurance and like get it done and, and power through but it manifested itself in the way of the way of me being too proud um you know just never taking help uh, my emotions or mine leave me alone 
And so I pushed everyone out. And then that led to objectification of women that led to objectification of other men. Um, you know, I remember up until hell the last year telling another guys, you ain't got the balls for this. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is, that is the most degrading thing looking back for myself. Like, yeah, joking. If you know a buddy, like that's funny. But when you're telling another guy, literally he doesn't have the manhood to do something like that's to me, that's toxic masculinity and the cat calling and all those other issues are a byproduct of the cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but the root issue for me is overcoming that fear of emotion and really finding out why I'm scared and and why other men are scared to just open up and be ourselves. Because it's not about what society tells us we are. It's what we are. We are men. End of story. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Yeah. The piggy bet. No, I'm <laughs> I'm just sitting here taking notes like. Nailed it. Got it. Go ahead, Seth. I'm humbled over here. (laughs) Well, you cut right to the core. Uh, I think you've thought about that a lot. Um, Because that was a very well well put out uh, response there. Um, Well, well, thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Uh, The fear. I think it really, for me, like in hearing that, the main thing I think of is fear of what other people think. Yeah. Because um, I feel like that's what it's all about, right? Because it's what other people view me, and that I have to conform to try to please other people, and I want people to look up to me. And so I'm going to use vulgar language, or I'm going to cut people down um, because I'm elevating myself. And I want other people to look at me in a way that is masculine and strong and confident. And that often overpowers being ourselves. So I th- right. thought that was a good response. Right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And it, and it does. Um, and, and honestly, I, I think it's something that naturally we were born against that fear. Um, and we see it in our today's culture, but I, I think it's just, it's a taught thing. Um, kind of like how I view racism. I believe racism is more taught than naturally occurring. Um, and so I believe that's kind of where we got toxic masculinity is, is it was just been taught for so long. It's just, it's the norm. You know, it's like learning the sky is blue. Um, we've been taught, you know, men suck it up, buttercup, and go do your job. And if you make less than your wife, well, like I said, you ain't got the balls for it, you know. And, or if you, you know, do this or your, your, your sexual orientation isn't, you know, a certain way, not a man, well, that doesn't exist, anywhere else but really our culture when you look at japanese culture um you have boys in high school holding hands and like hugging each other and it's very affectionate even in a culture that it's a male hierarchy Mm -hmm. um but they're showing this affection and this love towards one another and honestly um a lot of the asian guys i know are really good like you don't have to tell them they're a guy a man for them to know they know Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's because they had a touch with that emotion and that physical contact and, and love early on and their securities there. Um, and that's kind of the culture without fear. Um, but, uh, but I think that leads kind of what you, y'all have even said into like, so, um, Seth, how has toxic masculinity affected you? Like relationships growing up, your career, um, friendships, like directly. I know you hit on that a little bit. Yeah. You know, but like, how has it like greatly affected you in those ways? 
I haven't done a lot of things because of toxic masculinity. There's lots of things that I wish I would have done growing up that I intentionally chose not to because I was fearful of what other people would think or what other people would say about me behind my back. Um, So I feel growing up, toxic masculinity really controlled my behavior. Uh, You put it perfectly, out of fear. Um, And for me, I I went into the church. I wanted to become a youth pastor. I wanted to go into the ministry. Okay. And that was kind of perpetuated, right, of wanting to be this person, this leader, and doing all of that. And then I realized there's so many people out there hurting like me, and that's what led me down the path of social work into what I do now. And so toxic toxic masculinity in many ways has shaped my life, both for good and for bad. Right on, right on, right on. Uh, Jonathan, what about you, bud? I'm just going to come out and say that doing this podcast with you guys, I'm so focused on what you guys are saying. I'm not thinking about what I'm going to say next. And that (laughs) makes for a great conversation um, because I'm learning so much and I want to understand like other perspectives and other points of view. Usually I just ignore the other guy. (laughs) My buddy, Tim, he's okay. (laughs) He's okay with that. We have this thing together, Um, but usually we keep it going. But here I'm like listening to these words and I'm just, thinking in my head like like toxic masculinity and it's it's got to be it's got to be a generational thing it's got to have come from something somewhere in the history of america some time period where men just they had to almost isolate their emotions and isolate their feelings as a way of self-protecting or something and there's there is that fear that I don't, I don't know that I could even pinpoint what the fear is, but there's just a, this like looming fear that says, don't cry. Like with my family, personally, we were watching Hawaii Five O the other night and my wife cried twice during Hawaii Five O. Like, and I'm like, hey, okay, come on, that's weird. But like any other emotional movie or watching Parenthood or any of those other shows on TV... I'm like I'm like a brick. I will not cry. I will not let that thing on TV move me in any way. But inside, I just want to ball like a little baby. Like I, I I can I have to hold it back, even though I'm I'm feeling things. But I have to hold it back, and I don't know why. I honestly don't know why. There is a fear that's looming there, uh, and it's likely I don't have much childhood. You know, growing up with a dad who maybe didn't, he didn't show a whole lot of emotion. Um, there was mainly one. <laughs> it was not a good, not necessarily a yeah. good one. Um, and I just don't ever think that I was given a model of how to be open and be vulnerable and allow other people to see that side of me. Have you ever let that guard down? Nope. Very, very rarely. Um, I know, Growing up in the church as well, there was times like at church where I would get really, I would be moved and, and I would, and I would usually cry and break down at something like that, thinking it was something spiritual. And I think all those times at church, it actually wasn't anything spiritual at all. It was just me feeling a certain way and getting it out in that, you know, in that avenue. Um, but never really 
at home with my family being so open and vulnerable to, to tears and things like that. So, so yeah, I would, I would, I would venture to guess toxic masculinity has affected me greatly in ways that I don't even know. Like, I don't even know how they show up to times lately with all this new talk. I'm like, dang, I, I might be a toxic masculine and I don't even know it, you know, and I'm really trying, but I think if I am, I would know. But at the same time, I, I don't, I don't even know that many guys, if they are toxic, I don't think they know. And I think it, that's how it just gets passed along because they didn't have any, they don't know any other way. You know, those little subtle things, you know, about just being emotional, I think is one of the ways it creeps in. So, Dude, I, I think you're exactly right on like one minute, you know, uh, not crying. Um, that's a, and not knowing where that comes from. Um, and because I've been there too, but also men not knowing they're toxic. I think that's a, that, that could almost be a show in and of itself. Um, kind of like, you know, that um, some people from church or other faiths not knowing they're not really part of it. Um, you know, because of, you know, they, they, they said the words and walked out and are now, you know, selling dope on the street for hustle money, you know, or whatever. Not that that determines, you know, where you go when you die, but you know, you get what I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get at. Um, but like, uh, like for me, um, again, Jonathan, going back to your point of not crying, um, I was scared to cry and it wasn't even because of my, my parents, but it was my grandparents. Um, like I saw a little anger from everyone else, but my grandfather would say it's just a waste of time. Like he never came out right and said, Hey, don't cry. Don't show emotion, but it's just a waste of your time. And that has actually shown its head worse in my, my married life and being a father. I have three little girls, eight, six, and two. Um, and so, you know, there is crying 24 seven over LOL dolls. If you know what those are, and I'm so sorry if you do. Um, I do. <laughs> and so, yeah. And so, you know, these, these crappy little toys and there's these fightings and fights. Like my, my oldest Spartan kicked my middle child, Emmeline, off the top bunk the other day because she took a brassiere piece to one of the dolls. I never thought as a dad I'd have to deal with that for one. But two, how I dealt with it was telling my oldest, um, getting upset is not worth your time. Mm. And then, you know, telling my youngest, hey, we're not crying over spilt milk when she just got Spartan kicked off of a bunk. And and I had to stop myself and go back in and be like, hey, Jocelyn, who's my my oldest, hey, that was bad. That's wrong. We never hit. Um, I know you're frustrated. I know you're angry. And I had to, like, catch myself because the moment I walked out and said that, like, I started cussing myself. You know, like, you dirty bastard. Did you really just say that? Mm. And I'm, and, and to be all honest, like, I'm just now coming out of, like, that mentality. And it's so much so that my my oldest is seeing it. And I'm so happy she's seeing it. Um, and that's new to me because I've always been responded disciplinary-wise. Being a boy is, you know, don't do that. Just pass on, go. Pass on, go. Pass on, go. That whole bootstrap mentality. Um and so it's just, it has devastated my, probably my oldest girl. And it, it's one of the most heartbreaking things, like thinking about it for me, seeing the effects of that. Like she, she has a, a propensity to be really cruel 
because of how I've fathered her. And I know that's my fault. Um, and you know, so we're, so I'm now not just breeding a son that can be toxic, but I'm breeding a girl who expects toxicity. And that just furthers that chain so much further. And it's, it's devastating. And so that's, to me, that's how it's affected, affected my life greatly is just, just with my relationship with my kids. Um, but I do, I I do want to kind of double back, Jonathan, on what you said about the men not being, um, not knowing they're toxic. And I want to break that down a little bit because, um, in my culture, so I'm, I'm a gamer. I do a lot of gaming, like Dungeons and Dragons, um, video games. Like I'm all about that life. We run a group here at our house, usually on Monday nights. Um, but me and more have taken a hiatus from it and we game with mostly men. It's mostly a male dominated type of culture. Um, but the thing is, most of those guys spend their time talking about like how to kick someone's ass and, you know, how big of a man they are. And they don't think they're being toxic because they'll come back with, no, I know how to treat a woman. So like, like, let's break that down a minute. Like, where have y'all seen that in the church or in, you know, normal life of these guys showing this stuff, but then turning around and being like, hey, no, I'm not toxic. You know, because I see it a lot in my work. I work with a 21-year-old kid who uh, who always refers to his truck as being better than everyone else's because, you know, it's the, it's perfect. And that's his toxic thing because that trumps anyone else's manliness altogether. What I'm seeing <laughs> unfold here, hearing unfold here, it's helping me understand a little bit more. You, you have a, a, being a jerk to women and other men side of toxic masculinity, and then there's the emotional development or lack of emotional development side of toxic masculinity and they're both under that i feel like they can both be under that umbrella but like that emotional development i think is less toxic because it's just passed on through generations and it's something we have to learn what's going on like clay you said you you realize like oh my gosh i i am that toxic you know father i guess and then changing and then having to reverse that and how versus, you know, that's just something that you kind of you got it. It's almost like it was passed on and like it's almost genetic and you have to realize you've got it in order to change it. But then there's just that whole like you're talking about having the best things and the best car and and the best guitar or the best setup and feeling like our sense of worth comes from that stuff that we have how much money we make and underlying all of that is that fear and insecurity. And then inside the church too, you know, I know just that church culture of like, I've, I've never had up until the past like year or two. And I haven't been to church in a couple of years, but even before that, never having like women in leadership, you know, they were always on the back end. And I, I don't, and I think that kind of plays into it too. Like that you can't look to women as an authority figure or somebody that you could learn from. They're just there for that soft tenderness side of things. So it's just really interesting because it's part of our culture. Um, it's societal norms and to recognize those norms can be very, very difficult. I like how you mentioned that where sometimes we don't even realize we're doing it. Like even in everyday conversation, it's like, wait a second, what did I just perpetuate? And I'm not even thinking about it. It's like second nature. 
Uh, it's been going on for so long, it's really hard to change those kinds of thought patterns. But it can be done. But we f- must first recognize what's going on and catch it. Like, like I agree with that, but I think there's there's a slight, n- not a problem with that statement, but what I'm trying to say is catching it is the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of people, um, like, um, so I, I have a buddy. He is depressed, super depressed, and it comes out in, in him being lazy. And I love this guy to death, um, one of my closest friends. But And he knows it, but he refuses to do anything about it because he doesn't truly accept it. Like, he knows it, but he doesn't accept it as a fact type of thing. And he can push it off as, well, I'll get around to it. Well, it's the catching it. Like, um, like men- people with mental illness, um, it's really hard to tell someone they're crazy when they're crazy. Um, and for them to catch it, you have to have what I call this light bulb moment where, you know, literally the light bulb goes off and they're like, holy crap, I just tried to, you know, fist fight a moving car, you know, to someone who's doing things. And they had that moment of clarity. Um, and of course, with them, it's the chemicals, you know, coming back together and them having that. But I think it's almost visceral for toxic masculinity as well, though, where it's it's almost it isn't DNA, but it is it's almost evolutionary mm-hmm. because we put so much into anger and that fear, which causes anger and all these other things that it's now just an evolutionary reaction that I feel frustrated and angry when my daughter tells me no, instead of trying to figure out why she's telling me no and show her respect one is a, is a female and, and show her this is how men should treat you. But two that, that I should show her, you know, that I'm trying to parent her well and not just snap at her. Um, but because someone said no to me, I'm taught you're a man, no's not an answer for you. And, and of course, that leads to a whole other slew of things of, you know, um, sexual justif- um, objectification of women and, and, you know, the pornography industry for, you know, case in point. And I mean, that just leads to all of that. Um, so I think it's, it's the harder thing is getting men to realize that. Um, I know Jonathan, you talked about, you just kind of mentioned the church a little bit, um, about, you know, going back into that, um, what type of church, um, do y'all go to? Is it like a male centered church? Like most of them are now, or is it more that, you know, old school where it is male centered, but they just don't say it out loud. Yeah. It's, I'm trying to think back because the, the church that, if I were to go to church today, um, I grew up in that church. Um, so I've seen it for the past like, 25 years, and it's, oh, it's, it's gone a long way. I will tell you this much, and I'll try to do this with... When I started going there, I was like 10. Um, all male leadership, except for a woman in the role of like the children's section. That was, that was right. a woman past this typical... Um, and I've seen this church evolve over the years and turned into a smaller church into a, a big mega church with a multi-site and everything like that. And, um, I, I will say they did just, they've had more women on staff in leadership positions, in teaching positions 
and are not afraid of that. And I think are on the cusp of, hey, it doesn't matter, man, woman, whatever. Here's what we're expecting at our church in terms of leadership. If you fit that bill, here it is. Um, I think the teaching pastor just went on to lead a lead another church, be the senior pastor at another church on the other side of the country somewhere. Uh, and I do remember when she first came on, and I don't want to speak definitively. I don't know where, however many people I always cover my tracks. I don't know if this is exact. But there was a lot of people that had issue with a woman teacher. And there was, for lack of a better term, a witch hunt um, trying to bring her down a little bit. Uh, and I think just because she pushed the envelope a little bit about what kind of a teacher she is and some of the things, her methodologies, and she's actually... Uh, very good. I got, I learned a lot from her, you know, while we were there. Um, it was really nice. She did a really good job, helped me through a lot of things um, that no other man, pastor, or leader at that church could do. So she's also one of the reasons why I'm no longer going to church anymore, but not for those reasons. <laughs> she actually gave me specific <laughs> things on what church is for and who it's for. And it was a big part of, of, of where I am today in my, in my understanding relationship with, uh, with Christianity. And it's, it's a, some might say it's not in a good place. I think it's in a very good place for understanding what Christianity is and people's relationship with, with God and Jesus and that sort of thing. So I like, I really enjoyed hearing your story about the church and kind of where you've transitioned over time. Um, I always find hearing people's faith journeys so encouraging um, to see whether, it, however it turns, whether it's good or it's bad, there's so much involved from a heart level. And just talking like how the church has glorified toxic masculinity, I think it's primarily perpetuated through shame and guilt. For me, that's what drove... It was both what hurt me so much in my faith journey, but also what kept me going for more. And I feel like toxic masculinity is the fuel that drove the continual shame that I experienced if that makes any sense. Because in the church, I wanted to be, I wanted to be a man of God and I wanted to be a leader and I wanted to be straight and I wanted to have kids and I wanted to be a pastor and I wanted to do all those things. But I, no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't make myself straight. And through that, there was so much shame that toxic masculinity was the fuel that kept driving me for more. Um, because it was, I wanted to be these things. I wanted to be these people and that's who I was looking up for. That's who I was looking up to. I don't know if I'm making any sense. No, no, you, you are like, it's so like weird. Cause greatly. I'm like, I'm like tying toxic masculinity as a good thing, but that's how distorted I was. That's how, that's how distorted I was in that church experience. That I looked right. that these negative things, these things that were looking down on women and were saying they can't have a role and were saying men have to be strong and they can't cry, that was all tied to a biblical narrative. And I think that's why we see so many people get upset over uh, putting women in leadership roles because there's this background and this, this um, backbone on scripture and scriptural truth and scriptural narrative. And that's what I looked up to. And that's what perpetuated toxic masculinity. And I feel like the more that we want to use a very 
um, strict adherence to to the Bible and that that is the sole word of God and that's what we have to go off of and that's that is it it's the Bible and nothing else that's when we see toxic masculinity and the oppression of minority groups the most right right and I, I think you're you you hit the nail on the head with that that the church is pretty much you know set the the gold standard on what it means to be a man backed by by honestly false scripture misuse of scripture to be quite honest and blatant with it but i i wanted to ask seth like when when you knew that you you couldn't be those things what was that like not not so much like the shame you felt but like what was that pushback in the church against who you are and what you are just besides the the obvious things that come out um from 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 churches who who back this stuff but like what what was the main push from like interaction with staff or other things like that what was what was that like absolute silence because there was no longer an argument i mean i don't know what else you want me to do was more of my reaction so the people didn't have anything to say so there was no dude I'm, there was no reassurance on either way like you know man. sorry i made that all about gay stuff but i feel like <laughs> i can't talk about church and i can't talk about toxic masculinity unless i talk about it you know you're good because honestly um toxic masculinity affects men but it really affects gay men the most yes like y'all get the worst side of this coin and and that's one thing that for me and julia you know we we came out of very staunch conservative churches where lgbtq community was just pushed out you can come and visit but don't ask to do anything mm-hmm. if you do just you, you can hand out flyers at the door but don't talk you know uh, we don't want you spreading it because they obviously didn't understand how this works and so we were very in that culture as well. And, you know, thinking back, I remember being the guy who was silent. And, like, that is heartbreaking for me in in a good and bad way, you know, to hear you say that because, you know, I was the one who was silent on a lot of things. We're just not going to talk about it. We're right. just not going to. Well, when when they're crying for help and, and wanting just to be connected to someone, it's not a it wasn't even about, you know, validation or anything it was just about hey i'm still with you i'm still your friend i'm still your partner in crime but you're just going to be silent right well and that's what where the how the church has glorified toxic masculinity is through shame and like the biblical truth because honestly you were probably silent because that's what you thought was the right thing to do based upon the biblical narrative because you couldn't step out of it. So that's where yeah. that's where it's like the, the shame piece that I'm mentioning. Because the very thing that I'm trying to get is the thing that's causing the most shame. And it's kind of this perpetual cycle. And that's what I feel the church does for people who are gay or LGBTQ Um you're trying to be one thing, but by being that one thing, you're perpetuating more shame. It's just a, it's a vicious cycle. Yeah. And that's not what the church should be. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I mean, that's that's kind of what you know the whole thing here. What if the church didn't do this, and what if the church represented well humanity and people better? I, I think the we wouldn't be having this conversation at all, actually. Um, not to say that the church governs everything, but at least here in the states, I, I think it would. Where where do you see toxic masculinity in our culture? And I, I know again we've been over this a little bit too, but let's let's break it down. Um, where's the most, where's it's most damaging in our culture, media and, and things of that nature, you know, kind of like the say, it's kind of the same as a church question, you know, where is it most glorified in our, in our culture? Um, you know, not counting, you know, other things that are blatantly toxic masculinity, but like the, the sub undertone parts, uh, Seth, you want to go ahead and hit that first, bud? I mean, I'm just going to say the LGBTQ population. <laughs> Uh, how so though like like how so though well the suicide rate is like one out of four sweet lord uh i don't know that that's not a the numbers are high i haven't looked but it's high and i don't know if it's one out of four but that's what immediately came to mind like 25 percent um and i feel like toxic masculinity is this it's this perpetual don't be that's so gay don't be don't don't say that don't do this i there's words i want to say that i'm not going to say um there's <laughs> slang that is used constantly yeah um from a toxic masculinity perspective that holds us all down but then we want to be that because we want to be like everybody else so that's where toxic masculinity like i was saying earlier i looked at it as a positive thing but it's really not it's destroying our community but we're taught to want that. Um, but I would say, look at the suicide rate. Look at what's happening in high schools across the nation. Look what's happening to kids who are being beat up and picked on and kicked out of their classes. Um, look at family rejection. Look at how the church has handled it. Um, anyways, I digress. Jonathan? <laughs> no, you some really great talking points there and i'm sure we'll get into that on the next question about that what is a man what should we strive to be like which we'll hold those comments for a little bit uh one of the most damaging things i think is maybe seeing a woman and and not giving her the respect that she deserves in terms of a authoritarian figure or that she even has any knowledge uh, anything that we as men can learn from, I think, is a huge, huge risk. Um, there's some very, very smart and intelligent women out there that we could learn a lot from on a number of different things. Uh, and I think that is one thing that's crept in that just because she's a woman doesn't mean she doesn't have anything to offer. I mean, we hear it all the time. Women takes her car to the mechanic. The mechanic automatically assumes something that the woman doesn't have any idea about cars. Right. And that should be false. Like that shouldn't be the blanket statement. We shouldn't be any judgment on what a woman knows over a man. We all have similar brains that are capable of learning different things. Um, I was listening to a, a, a podcast the other day. They were talking about bias and things like that. And and the story was a uh, I'll see if I can get it right. It's a really short one. Uh, a man and his son were in a very bad car accident. And they had to be taken to the hospital to have emergency surgery. And when the son was on the operating table, the surgeon says, 
I can't operate on that on him. That's my son. So what's how is that possible? And most people are like, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how that's possible. Like the man and the son were in the car accident. Well, the surgeon's a woman. And most people are like, ah, I didn't even think about that. The surgeon could possibly be a woman. And uh, and there's plenty of amazing women surgeons out there and women professionals. And we don't even think that they can be that. And and I'll be very honest, in my, in my mind, when I heard that, I was like, oh, must be a gay surgeon. <laughs> so I'm almost like kind of there, just assuming that it was two men and their son, not that it was a woman. So I'm like 50% not biased. So. <laughs> I don't even know how to respond to that that last part, but that was uh, wow. Fair, like fair, fair enough. But yeah, fair but enough. just that women—they're just as capable as men. You know, like we don't all have to be like equal in everything. But a woman is absolutely capable at so many more things than we give them credit for. They actually do have some knowledge and things like that. And I know that creeps in because I know there's things that my wife and I, when we try to you know, work on stuff together. I just, sometimes I'll take the lead role thinking that I'm better at this than she is. I can't do that. Like, I can't just assume that I am. And even if, even if I am, I can't assume that it's because I'm better. Whereas it's an opportunity instead of me trying to show off how awesome I am. Why not be confident in that? Be like, Hey, why don't I just help you learn how to do that new skill and vice versa and things like that. So Dude, I think that's that's beautifully put, um, and it, it it's pretty much my answer um, as well because that's that's again the the taught assumption women can't like um, so I I do woodworking um, out in a little shop I piddle with it I'm not great but but I try um, and you know my wife comes to me and goes you know what type of saw are you using. And she was asking, but like how I responded was past even mansplaining, if you want to say it that way. It was like, oh, well, here, let me take your hand, little girl, and do it. And again, that was like the natural response back. Not not necessarily that's what I was deliberately going for and I, and I knew, but I'm like, well, let me stop. What are you asking specifically? What can I help with? You know, and, and I, I took a different approach because culturally, it, it's so ingrained, like you said, that bias that we need to help them, that they can't help themselves. You know, I, I know in, in our culture, the one me and my wife grew up in, um, you know, you grew up, you got married, you moved from your parents' house as a girl to your husband's house. And like that was the taught <clears throat> thing, which if that's how it happened, that's fine. That's that's not horrible, but they were never taught to go out on their own and, you know, carve a path for themselves. And like my, my wife has never worked a blue collar job. I mean, she is the hardest working person in my family. End of story. You know, she stays home with my girls. We homeschool. She does more work than I do in a year. And I know it. And I'm proud of her for that. But she's never held a, like a, a, a getting a paycheck job. That's like, where she pays taxes on it type of thing like she does marketing and stuff but that's kind of under the table a little bit um which is fine and great but that's because her family you know 
wasn't against it, but they also seemed not for it a little bit. And then, of course, me being me when we first got married, I was like, well, if I can't support you with one check, you know, I'm not a man. And so that whole bias rings so true with me um, of just assuming they need us or they have to have us to survive. <laughs> and and we're, we're, men are here to show women how to do things. And it's like that is further from the truth, considering they mature faster. Their brains calculate things a lot better a lot of times, scientifically. Um, and usually they can think more level-headed than we can at times. <laughs> um, at least from what I found, personally. Um, but yeah, man, that was, that was really, really, really good. Um, so, Jonathan, what, what does it mean to be a man? Still trying to figure that one out. <laughs> um, right ah geez because i could give you all kinds of examples of what i think it means to be a man but it would be hard for me to do that because i don't know that i could say i fit that criteria um what you were talking about with your wife you know, being a stay-at-home mom and working super hard at that and you you know i'm in the i'm in the opposite of that where my wife makes a ton more money than I do. I mean, she's a, she works at a hospital. She's a certified nurse midwife. She's an amazing worker. She, one of the hardest working people I knew, I, I know, um, could work circles around me, you know, and my, my, my career of painting houses just seems like such a minuscule little insignificant thing compared to what she does every day. Um, so I'm kind of on the flip side of that where like, she doesn't, I told her the other night, I was like, you don't need me for anything. <laughs> I'm like, you could, you could be just fine without me. Like, now she disagreed she's like, no, you, I, I need you. And so for me to feel value as a man, when you were talking about, you know, if, if, if Julie would say like, what kind of saw is that? Like my mind goes to, well, why are you asking like, are you asking because you're just curious and you want to make me feel like I know what I'm talking about and build my ego a little bit? Or are you asking because you really want to know what kind of saw it is? You want me to teach you about woodworking so eventually you can maybe be better at me at woodworking and take that away from me? Hell no, I ain't telling you what saw it is. <laughs> you know, like, get back inside, you know. Um, there's, there's so many things going on in these scenarios. Um, behind it all is how, how do we feel as... I mean, I'll even go a step further of just even male or female, whatever, as humans, how, how secure are you? Like, how do you feel about yourself? Where's your self-esteem? Where's your security level? And I think if as a society, I think men, female alike, let's just do more to build each other up and encourage each other, allow each other to experience weakness and, and you know, experience failure and, and be there to pick each other up and build each other up. And that I hate that 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 phrase, you know, a rising tide raises all ships, you know, where if, if we all just kind of we're all in it together. There's a, a tribe in Africa somewhere. I'll just say a tribe in Africa somewhere that when when one of the people in the tribe makes a mistake, they put that person in the middle and just offer words of encouragement to this person until they feel whole again, till they feel valued again and that they're a part of that community. And they don't stop until they're all a tribe. That Ubuntu, I think, is the is the phrase. I am because we are. 
And I think a, a man, and I don't, I don't want to write this off as unmanning, but I think men should take responsibilities for bringing everybody up to the level in which we think men already are, um, which I don't believe that to be true. But I just think being confident and secure in who you are, you know, and having it be okay for somebody else to be good at something, someone else being good and being at your level or beyond doesn't take anything away from you as a man, you know, so that's like a roundabout way of saying what a man is, but I think being be comfortable with who you are, you know, not being afraid of showing a little bit of emotion, not being afraid to show a little weakness, not being afraid of somebody else coming in and teaching. I have a hard time with other people teaching me stuff. I think a man would be able to be taught, you know, something from somebody else. It doesn't take away from who I am. In fact, it adds to it and it builds the other person up because they have an opportunity to teach. So that's a... That's a lot. That's a mouthful. Hopefully I answered the question. So <laughs> I think you did. It was good fodder I anyway. It's good. <laughs> it was an Seth, ex- what you got, bud? Well, that was an excellent story. Um, I wish I had a story like that. That was excellent. I really liked how you explained that. Thanks, Seth. Uh, so when, to answer this question, first of all, I feel like I need to clear some things up because I said a lot like, what we're supposed to be as men. And like, I'm talking about it in a distorted way when I was in the church. So to answer this question, what does it mean to be a man? Um, I want to cut deeper to the more internal issues like integrity, character, um, those types of things to define the essence of being a man rather than breadwinner, brings home you know kills the the deer brings home the uh the money um but more in regards to who we are as people um when i was after college i went through a training course called grace encounter essentially the whole idea is to uh, break you (laughs) so that you come to understand and, and be in full love and grace with god and they had you do this contract at the end, which in my opinion is like as close of a contract as being a man as you can do. Um, and I think my contract was, um, I am a man of integrity. I am a man full of love. I'm a man standing on top of a mountain partaking while creating with his creator, something to that effect. But it was, it, um, it ended with this great finale of creating this contract And for me, that's the essence of being a man, is being a man of integrity, having character, being full of love. And I love how you said that, Jonathan, Um, being able to to be vulnerable and just be who we really are as people. Uh, In this society, we're, we're torn so many different ways, and toxic masculinity is a huge force in that. And I think being authentically ourselves is like the strongest and most brave thing any of us can do. Dude, right on. I mean, both of you. Dear gosh. Um Wow. Um I don't I don't know what's left on how to define that. <laughs> Those are some of the best points I've heard in a really, really long time. And I guess if I was to add anything, um I was I was handed a book a couple years back called To Own a Dragon by uh, Donald Miller. He, he's kind of what started me on this journey long ago, and I didn't know it. 
and I now kind of fell in love with his writings, not all of it, but, you know, uh, I pick and choose kind of the, the best from the bad with some of the things he does and says. But one of the things that hit me about being a man is he goes, what is a man? And he finally figured out you just are. It's not anything. You know, he talks about going to these groups and and all this other stuff. He kind of went to a camp like you did, Seth, and, you know, his mom sent him to and all this stuff. And and he finally figured out, you just, you just are, which goes back to what you were saying. Jonathan, it's just being secure in you. It's your identity is just you, that there's nothing else and that we... We're just all humans floating in this experiment of Earth, trying to figure everything out together without these social constructs. And it's, it's just us. I think y'all said that that beautifully. And, and thank y'all for that. Um, that's That's got me some to think about some stuff in my own personal life from those for sure. Gosh. So so now that we've, we've established, you know, all these things, what it is, what it isn't, where it's affected... You know, uh, where is it most prevalent in our culture? Toxic masculinity. And then what it is to be a man. How can us men who are closer to the goal of, of getting rid of toxic masculinity in our culture and life's personal walks in every which way, what can we do to fix it? Like there has to be an answer to some way to fix it in, in, in some interaction of something is it you know social justice warrior online just going complete bonkers on facebook um or is it you know personal interactions or is it all the above like what what do y'all think that is what is the fix i think Gillette nailed it just kidding um i think i think commercials (laughs) like the Gillette commercial are, are are great um but i think putting a uh, what's my word? A definition on what what are those commercials good for? I think those commercials are good for empowering men on this side that we're on. That hey, you're not alone. If you want to do the right thing, we're with you. I don't think somebody who is a toxic masculine watching a Gillette commercial like that is going to change. Um, so I think that commercials like that are are helpful. Maybe I don't know. Um, but I think just continuing to try to just trust your, you know, trust that gut instinct of you. Like I'll give you an example on um, just this past weekend, we were doing uh, the Boy Scouts Pinewood Derby races and having a good time. I noticed potentially one of the cars had an illegal modification against the rules. Do I care that much? No, I don't. But I thought, this is Boy Scouts of America. Integrity, honor, we're kind of new to that world. My son's cousins are in it. But I thought, do I say anything or do I not? And I said something. Because I had to. You know, and that might have been the unpopular thing to do. But I felt like, no, this is the right thing to do. I'm sure they didn't intentionally break the rules. So it's not like I'm making a, an enemy out of this person or a villain, but just to draw, just to bring it up, say, hey, this is in the rule book. And they were like, oh, my gosh, I'm probably, you know, who knows? They probably had no idea they did it. But little things like that, I think, compounded over time. Just trust in that little gut, like, that's the right thing to do. Just do it. 
and don't care. Like, I don't, I don't care what kind of people that like, oh, there's John again trying to keep all the rules. Yes, because they're there for a reason. And if nobody cares, well, then don't make it a rule. <laughs> anyway, that's just my, my little story about like just being confident that like, you know, that's the right thing to do. So do it. Um, how do you fix it? Gosh, man, I don't know. Maybe tell all everybody over twenty just to shut up, like stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> just like, let the kids run the world and see what happens. Hit a hard reset. I think that would fix a lot of issues, though. To, to be quite honest, to telling a certain age group, just hey, just be quiet for a minute. Just stop. Just stop talking. It might cause some <laughs> other problems because they, you know. They're talking maybe helpful in other areas mm. of our lives, yeah. like science, yeah. medicine. <laughs> Who needs that? Doctors, I, you yeah. know. <laughs> Jesus will heal me with my prayers. I've heard that one before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm so sorry, bud. Oh, I'm going to hell. No, you're not. Uh, <laughs> you're going to heaven. Jesus, I hope so. Jesus died for you, sir. Uh huh. Um, how do we fix it? I, we stand up when we can, and when we come across it and it is addressed to us, we say something. And yeah, it's going to be unpopular. And you don't have to make a huge deal of it. I mean, honestly, just making a note hey, guys, recognize what's happening right now and then leave it alone. Right? We're not going to change people's minds overnight, we're not going to change culture or societal norms overnight. But just dropping that truth whenever you see it, I think, makes a big difference. Um, and we really need to start looking at changing the way <clears throat> that we run the church and we run our society. Um, some of this stuff is going to be societal and should be perpetuated through our schools even to some degree. I think kids growing up now view the world differently than they did 20 years ago. So I think it's this doesn't happen overnight. This is social change. It's going to take time. So recognize when you see it, and uh, we need to be making changes in our policies and things of that nature. That's my opinion. It doesn't mean anything. I, well, but it does because, like, the guys who realize that this is an issue and is wrong, one, we're we're already getting condemned. Like, like I know the flack I'm going to get from this from random people coming across it, um, men and women. I, I know I'm going to catch hell for this. And honestly, we've been nice. Can you break that? Um, can you break that down a little bit, though? What would people have an issue about regarding this? Because it's it's it, people. Um, no matter what, people will always have an issue with challenging the status quo. Yeah. So telling men to hey, don't suck it up, let it out. I want to hear about why you hate this this and this i want to know why you get so angry about this open up to other men when we have a culture of war which kind of goes back to the the first topic one of the things you mentioned jonathan about where it comes from i think it comes from war um i mean we're america we were born and bred into bloodshed like that's what we are and so I, I think it came from men having to suck it up in war because you have to or you die. I get that. And I think that transferred over to their sons who didn't grow up in war and had that choice not to have to go. And so when we challenge this societal norm 
of hey it's okay to be yourself it's okay to like the color pink it's okay to you know listen to this type of music or it's okay to do something so small and minute that's challenging the status quo and so that's why i expect feedback of of harshness from some people like i i even expect some bad feedback from like some personal friends that might listen to this um and I'm, i'm okay with that because i think it has to be said and I'm, I'm not as nice as you, Seth. I'm more of the roll the holy hand grenade into the room and pull the pin type of person. But I think you should on this issue. Can <laughs> I clear something up really quickly? Because I, sure. I don't think I communicated it correctly before, and I'm feeling really stupid right now. So I want to just address something very quickly. When I said that toxic masculinity was good, I meant that in the context of me within a conservative church trying to become straight and trying to do what I felt that God wanted for me. Okay. So I was using it in that context. I'm not in the church anymore and I'm not straight. So, so I think you can clearly see that toxic masculinity is a horrible thing and we need to recognize this for what it is. And we need to speak up when we see it. For me, it was just interesting because my whole coming out process and how I ended up where I am now with my faith, which (laughs) I don't really know where I stand. It's, I looked up to these things and look what it did. It it does not help. We need to address these issues. Like I'm, when I'm talking to, I say one of my lines is when I'm talking to men specifically, like (laughs) both on the crisis line and what I do now, You know, lots of times men will end up talking about something very serious and choke up and start crying on the call. And whenever that happens, generally they stop and they say, I'm sorry. And I like jump in on that. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no, you're not. You don't get to apologize to me right now. In my opinion, crying over something like this shows far more strength than it does weakness. Being emotional, being vulnerable, being authentic in who we are is one of the most important and empowering things a person can do. And it's not easy. So I think we need to recognize that for what it is. And when we see um, people, I mean, I just want to encourage vulnerableness, you know, being vulnerable. Jonathan, hearing that you don't like break out a little bit and cry like in front of your family, it makes me sad. I want you to have that experience, you know? I want you to be vulnerable because it's empowering. It's freeing in so many ways. Yeah. And I, I'll be honest. I wish I could pinpoint, like, I wish I could figure out like, what is it? And I actually just scheduled a a therapist appointment for a couple weeks from now. Anyway, um, to to good for you. Awesome. Like I've been, you know, I've been there before and I don't even feel like I need it now. This is great. This ties in perfect to toxic masculinity. I don't, the guy called me today to schedule an appointment. I'm like, you know what? I'm feeling good today. But you know what? I know how that works because tomorrow I might not be. And so I scheduled it. You know, I scheduled that appointment when I was feeling good, knowing that there are a lot of things that I do need to unpack and that I do need somebody that I can just be free to share with who might be able to point to, oh, like, okay, there's, there's why you're holding back. And I think right now, that fear of change is what's holding me back. Like all of a sudden I'm going to be this other person and I don't maybe know how that's going to be received. Like, like I said, I think I'm a byproduct of 
not even a, a, a father or a childhood that was a toxic, you know, childhood. I think I'm just kind of a byproduct of this culture that created this doesn't show emotions. It's got to be strong and, and trying to, you know, I'm slowly making these changes, you know, especially with in the way I parent and things like that. When my, when I'm tickling my kids and they say, no, stop, I stop <laughs> to teach them. Hey, when you say stop, that means stop. That means I got to stop. If I don't, you can like kick me in the balls or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, I will not be telling right. that to my girls or right. it'll happen a lot. <laughs> <laughs> if you say stop and they don't stop. But anyway, <laughs> I'm getting there. Dude. And, and that's awesome. And like that, that's amazing. Like I, I understand that it takes so much to put yourself in that position to like, go to therapy because therapy sucks um it really does but it's the most fulfilling thing you can do and dude that's awesome i'm always excited to hear another guy be like i'm doing this like that is the most encouraging thing in the world to me um like that i'll say now that makes me want to cry um it really really does (laughs) because honestly you have just defined what it is to be a man amen like 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 that's it I am. I need help. You guys aren't going to make something. me cry. I'm not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but but I mean that that's no. true for a guy to say I need help. That is blasphemy to the to the church, to the culture, to everything. The only person who needs help or we need help from another man we need help from is Jesus, and that's it. Um, you know, and that's what we were taught. So no, you have just defined that by going. I need something. And I don't know why, but I know this person can help, whether it be male or female, you know, counselor, they can help. That is manhood, knowing when to throw in the towel and go, I'm ready to get better or I'm ready to figure this out. Sorry, you had something, Seth. I saw you bring up. I'm sorry. (laughs) I mean, for real, though, you just define what it is to be a man legitimately showing character integrity vulnerability pursuing the help when you need it like is there anything more like that shows what it is to put yourself and your family first and seeking out the help rather than believing in your own wisdom i think god talked about that somewhere you know well it's called the bible yeah um kind of all of it um Uh no (laughs) for real though uh, I think that's awesome. And I really need to see a therapist and I've been refusing and I'm a therapist. So there you go. <laughs> Legitimately. <laughs> I've been, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. <laughs> you, you know what's in store for you. Yeah. Um, and my friends, I've no, we're, do you, even talk to my, do you guys think it's almost like, uh, I think we can be, smart in understanding things about ourselves what we need to improve on maybe not necessarily wanting to do it but you know that going to a therapist is going to say that somebody else knows i should do that too and it's kind of validates the things that we know we should change but we're just not quite ready to do that yet um Mm -hmm. there's a i think there's some fears there and and we know that you can get comfortable and uh and and getting ready to change it, it can be hard so Oh, well, I appreciate all those words, guys. Yeah. No problem, man. No problem. Well, that, I mean, we, God, we, we blazed through these 
quick and a lot of depth in all of this, gentlemen. Like, I'm going to have to go back and, and listen to this again, like, throughout my this week just to, like, catch all the nuances of what y'all been saying because um, it's, it's, it's so good in, in every which way. And I don't know. I, I think I think y'all are right on everything y'all said. Um, wow. Um, is there anything y'all want to add to this? Anything y'all see that that we didn't talk about that might be added in, or anything we did talk about that you want to tagline on or add to, or open up another question possibly and talk about more from our discussion? Good. I think there was a there was a lot in there, and honestly, you could. I mean, even if we did open it up, we could unpack a whole lot. I mean, you could have a lot of. There's a lot of material there you could go into on a lot of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, and and maybe here in the future we will. Mm-hmm. Um, this this will probably not be the last discussion on toxic masculinity. Hopefully, um, hopefully this is uh the way our culture is going, where more men and then women start talking about it more in a good light of wanting to help and not hinder. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause I'm, I'm pretty sure y'all would agree from just talking with y'all that, that we love the people that are affected by toxic masculinity and the people who are doing the toxic work. Like we love those people and we know those people. Um, and I, I don't want anything bad to come from them. I just don't agree with how they choose to do things all the time, Yeah, <laughs> you know, cause I'm still, we're still called to love and honor people and be with them. Whether we agree or not, that's beside the point. That's just an opinion. Um, no, I do want to add, but, Clay. Um, I, th- I think yeah. it's important for certain men that might be, that fit this mold of toxic masculinity. And that when if you're going to approach them about it, or if they're doing something that you think might be hurtful to others, that they are a byproduct of toxic masculinity, and they might not know it. It's to be sensitive in that. Like, not all guys that might be toxic masculines are doing it on purpose. And uh, it's likely that they're even unaware that how their behavior is affecting the development of especially the younger generation, especially if it's a dad. And they're not aware. And if you immediately call them out on it, it can put up walls, then tear down walls. And I think if you are going to, if you do see that, I'm not going to get into how to do that because I don't even know that I, I know how to approach them <laughs> about it. But be sensitive and don't just think that they're a bad person. It's likely they right. have no idea. So, Right. And if you're going to broach it, which I would encourage you to have the conversation, do it with grace. You know, like don't be like, dude, you're really messing up right now. But hey, you know, I wonder what so and so would think if they heard you say that, you know, Um having the conversation with grace and, and rather than pointing the finger, let's talk about the damage that's being done and how we can do better. Right. And I even think adding a story, I'll sometimes tell a story about my own stupidity. <laughs> so that's make an example out of myself and tell a parable. I mean, parables are amazing for stuff like that. Stories, examples of it's like this to help people understand. And, and I love that Seth grace. I think grace for other people, for yourself, is super important. Right, right on, um, dude. That's that's some both of you. That is some wisdom right there. <laughs> Grace, kindness, those do not come easy in our culture, and and so yeah, that is 
that's perfect. So, well, all right, guys, thank you for joining me um, on this discussion. It's definitely been way better than I could ever have thought about this, um, this going. Um, and I thank y'all for that. Um, but why don't y'all one more time, uh, tell us about your, your podcast, where we can find them and, uh, where we can go from there. Yeah. Like I said, uh, my buddy, Tim Lebo and I, we do a podcast called Riffin. And, uh, like I said, you can find that on iTunes. That's, uh, it's R I F F I N. And I'm sure, uh, I'm sure Clay can link, uh, link that in the show notes as well as, oh, yeah. uh, the Joe Health Show. That's my health and health and fitness nutrition uh, podcast that I like doing. Um, anyway, I enjoy that. So I really enjoy this conversation. Uh, loved it. I, I don't, whatever happens to this podcast, which I hope it gets out, it's good stuff. I am enriched and encouraged just by being a part of this conversation. I appreciate you guys. Awesome. Thank you. What about you, Seth? Um, so I am with the Fade to Gray podcast. We are men and women from all over the world um, having nuanced conversations. And you can find us at fadetograypodcast.com. Um, we're also available on Spotify, iTunes, and Podbean. Essentially, wherever you find your podcast, you're probably going to be able to find us. Um, and we're also on Instagram, uh, Fade to Gray Podcast. And it has just been a pleasure uh, having this conversation with you guys, truthfully. Uh, we dove deep, and it was yeah, it was really enjoyable. Um, I hope we get to do this again. Thank you for having no. having us on. Yeah. No problem, no problem. All right. Well, y'all have a good one, and thank you, gentlemen, again. Cool. Thanks, Clay. Thank you. Sing it y'all so much for listening today i had a great time recording i hope y'all had a wonderful time listening to it um remember to head over to the joe health show podcast and the riffin podcast and show those guys some love as well as head over to the fade to gray podcast and show those guys and gals some love um remember you can always leave a comment and a like and a star review for wherever you're listening to the recast um and uh, yeah, it was a good show. So, this is the Reapcast. I'm Clay. Y'all have a good one. I can't find any way out.